Hands up. Don't shoot. Show is brought to you by freehollowbooks.com where they give away a free hollow book every month. Please put your money in that thing. This is the Book Guys Show. Welcome back. This is your host, Sir Jimmy Goots, here in Greensboro, North Carolina suburbs, where the bridge down the road is out. Causing us nothing but havoc. <laughs> Welcome. We've got uh, two uh, special guests this evening. Uh, starting uh, on the coffee coast, Mr. Craig Damlo of Cymec.com. How are Ahoy. you, sir? Good. It is a beautifully warm and hot uh, day here in Seattle. So, uh, we, you know, we, we don't talk about weather here. So what, uh, what's <laughs> the best time of year to be in Seattle? September. Oh, so you got something to look forward to. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we'll probably uh, get a splat of rain here uh, over the weekend. And then September, usually very little rain and usually 70 degrees all month. Oh, it's very bookish weather. <laughs> Bringing it back around. And in the great white north, the home of Burger King, we have the Burger King himself, Mr. Paul Alves, also known as Paul the Book Guy. I think I have a jingle. Hang on. Paul the Book Guy. There you go. Yeah, in Toronto where we have about five days in June, that's good weather, and the rest is all winter and um, summer. Just all building up to it and falling away from it. That's right. We had a one-day heat wave yesterday. It got up to, uh, it felt like, they, they say feel like now in our uh, weather reports. I don't know about you guys down there, but it feels like 40 Celsius, which I'm not sure. It's like 110 or something, like Iraq weather. We call that a heat index. And yes, now the new home of the Burger Donut King. Yeah, they're just <laughs> trying, to, trying to jip the whole United States out of tax money like Apple and Microsoft, well, let's just find a way to not pay any taxes and, and get out of here. Well, you know, you, you guys do have laws that say that, uh, you know, the, the, the CEO and uh, the people that run the corporations have to make as much money as possible for their, you know, shareholders. And then you raise the rates to like 35, 40 percent. And then they look up north and they go, well, it's only 15 percent if we move to Toronto. Well, come on down. They keep <laughs> you know? raising the rates. They need to raise the roof. I think as soon as uh, Warren Buffett figured this all out, he he thought. I don't know if I told this story or not, but when I when I was in high school, they we had a it was economics class, and they had us pick, uh, gave us some time and to research, and then pick stocks. And you only had you had like a million dollars to buy stocks and the only one of my portfolio that I can remember buying was a company called Teledyne. Nice. Ooh, I knew pick. they made uh, the water pick. You, you know, 
the other, I'm sure they did other things. But my uh, my best friend Dougie, he put all his money into a, this stock, and it was like, my goodness, they were like sixteen thousand dollars a share, and it was called Berkshire Hathaway. Oh no! Oh no! So if he the put a million dollars into Berkshire Hathaway, he'd be like a billionaire now. Well, I, I'm awful with money, Jimmy. So uh, I like to put squirrel some of it away in my. It's a. It's called a, an E-Trade account. It used to be E-Trade, and it's now owned by Scotia Bank. But uh, I put it there sometimes in stupid stocks that I know are going to stay alive for a while, just because it takes so so long to put your money in and so long to take it out. Because I'm bad with money, so I like to put it there because I know that it takes like eight days to get the money out. So I don't usually don't touch it. But a few days ago, or like three or four days ago, when I heard the rumor that uh, the Burger King, uh, whatever, the Australian or whatever they are, company that really owns them, uh, was going to buy Tim Hortons, I said, you know what? Now's the time to buy. I go, nah, you know what? I'm so bad at picking these things. I should just leave it alone. But I would have made like 20%. So Yeah, that's a, that's a good score. 20%. Yeah. Hey, 20% on 10 bucks is $2. Yeah. It's like bingo. Right. I could have bought a Whopper. <laughs> <laughs> or a donut. D-O-U-G-H, by the way, folks. Not, D- don't, do not. So it's been a while since we've, we've had a show. I know everybody's busy, uh, but everybody always says that. So uh, uh, might as well ask, how, how goes the, the Campagan? Uh, the Campagan is going okay. Going okay. Who knows? I might be one of the counselors in Toronto. Who knows? We'll see what happens. We were gonna the have, numbers uh, guy? We were going to have Mayoral Canada on this week, John Tory, but... Uh, I got an email a few days ago, and they said, oh, it's too, you know, because, you know, they're stretching out this last council meeting to, like, four days. Because all these councillors want to, you know, push through these things that, that they haven't done in four years. They want to push it all through this week to look good to their constituents. So uh, Mr. Tory is busy. Uh, but he will be sending us a list of his book picks and a couple of different questions I did ask him. It's like the October surprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all happening right now. Canada, Canada does everything on their own schedule. <laughs> it's been so long, Jimmy. I don't even know what episode number this is. I'm, I have to. I have to Google it. This is episode one hundred eight. FYI, one hundred eight. Yes, I can't find any significance in that number. I'm sorry. No. <coughs> well, it's easy if you take a one and add it to the zero and add it to the nine. That gives you or thirty three. Yep, <laughs> thirty three and bingo, boom, shakalaka. <laughs> oh, so I, I've been packing in the books. I've got a big old stack of uh, audio books from uh, our friends at Brilliance Audio. Kaylin over there treat me very well. Even though I think she only reads her email on Fridays, and she st- tends to send out the list of the the new audio books that are coming out on Fridays. And even if I send it right back, she doesn't. She's she's like uh, wait till the next Friday. She's like. Uh, I don't know, Dvorak, he has his, what is, last in, first out. Yeah. You know what, Jimmy, they, they make a fortune on me because they, they send me the promo. Even if it's on MP3, it's still going to take me an hour to convert the damn thing. Uh, if it's on CD, I know it's going to be like four hours to put in all the freaking CDs. So I, I see, usually just end up buying them anyways. My new job, um, I, I've got, it's a 12-mile drive, but... the. With the construction and this frickin' bridge down the street. I mean, this bridge is literally, uh, I could ride a tricycle down the hill to it in about 30 seconds. We have to go around either way and up and down to where we are because this thing's going to be going on for a couple months. So 
it, it takes about 35 minutes to go 12 miles nice. to work. Well, actually, it's more than 12 miles now. It's more like 15. i got to ask you, Jimmy, in South Carolina, do they work 24 hours around the clock? Or they do like Toronto where they work seven hours, and then you're driving in rush hour, and there's no one working? They're wait, done wait, by the on. time I get back, but it, it, the, there's no bridge, so it doesn't matter. Right. I mean, oh, okay. You're, you're talking about you were talking about the road construction. I thought you oh, meant well, just people in South Carolina in general. That that <laughs> is, they tend to, they're doing that the part on two twenty at night. So they start setting it all up. So uh, it gets real bad about six thirty or seven. Right. But now that school's also back in, it's just crazy. There's this charter school down the road that has people lining up a hundred cars either way. To get into this place that doesn't have a red light controlling it, but uh, so the whole point of this story is I'm listening to a lot more audio books just straight off of the CD. Oh yeah, you know it's great because you can just switch them out in the car. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've got an I've got an, an hour plus every day in the car, so I just rip through another one in uh, in about five days. Uh, I made the mistake of not telling Kalen I, I want MP3 CDs, and I, right. I hate it when they keep having to chuck these things in and out but this last book it was only five cds so uh it was pretty cool and i don't know you, you want to talk about uh what's what you've been reading craig what's on your kindle what's on your nightstand what's on your android oh. device what's on your what's on your kindle what's on your nightstand <laughs> what's on your <laughs> i don't know <laughs> what are you reading yeah uh so actually you know what that's i have a i will talk about what i just finished was uh super mario uh, how Nintendo conquered America, but I I did that as an audio book. So let me ask you: you're you're listening to them CDs in the car. Does that mean you listen to it at one X, or can you modify I the speed? I can't stand any other speed than one X. Oh, really? See, now I can get up. It's funny when I start listening, I start at about one point two five. And if I continuously listening, I can get up to about two x and not notice if I just slowly yeah, up it. I oh, do that. I see. You sneak up on yourself. Yeah, I, I trick my brain. Yeah, I, I can read on my Kindle at about four x, <laughs> but that's just because uh, you know I'm, I'm kind of a speed reader. But in audio, it, it, when they start sounding like crickets, I can't do it. I have two ringtones on my phone that I've paid for. One of them is the theme from Sanford and Son, and that is my standard <laughs> ringtone. But now I'm going to change the other ringtone to Craig Damlo. <laughs> nice. Well, you know what mine is, Jimmy. It's Dingo, a dingo, boom, 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 boom. Which I and just so out. shall mine be after this podcast. Which I found out. Well, I thought it was uh, Sharpton. It's not Sharpton. It's not Sharpton. It's the Reverend no, it's, Manning. Uh, Reverend, yeah. He's the one that called Obama the uh, long-legged Mac Daddy. That's yep. right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so the Mario book, uh, yeah, how Mario is, is actually really interesting because it goes basically from, how oh, let's call it the 60s, 70s uh, of Nintendo, which Nintendo's you know over 100 years old. But, uh, yeah, they started off building wicker baskets, cards. Them, didn't they? Yeah, trading cards or something like that. But yeah, and then basically up through the Wii, and then that's kind of where the, the history ends. But, uh, you know, basically it, it, the more interesting split that, that's discussed is that split between Nintendo Japan and Nintendo of America. And, uh, you know, they're, they're home here in Seattle, and uh, they actually own the Mariners. I think they still own the Mariners. 
uh, and uh, just the the differences in how the the two companies were run and and the similarities or, or you know at the, in the end it was the same guy making the the big calls but uh you know it's just a, it's an interesting company and and some of the stuff like uh Donkey Kong how they came up with Donkey Kong's name uh that you know is a rip on King Kong and donkey because it was a stubborn animal so they want that's why it's donkey kong nice. because he's a stubborn kong <laughs> uh, you know, did you say something nintendo was in trading cards yes okay that makes me think okay trading cards uh famous trading cards the the very first card in the very first set of upper deck trading cards you know who that was uh Upper no. Deck, the very first high-end baseball card that came out in 1989 when I was at the peak of my baseball card collecting. Was it uh, Bo Jackson? It was Ken Griffey Jr., <sighs> a Seattle Mariner. See how yeah. I'm bringing it back around. Good one. He was owned by Nintendo for a short period of time. There you go. Yes, he was. You know what I like about Nintendo, uh, Craig, is that they, they do, with uh, such limited hardware... They made so many great games that were so enjoyable. Like they, they, they never came out and said, "Hey, we got, you know, five hundred twelve megs of RAM and this many of this and, and that." They just said, "Here's a fun game. Here's a controller has two buttons and a knob on it." Yeah, I think they always made money on their hardware. Well, even the hey, Nintendo, we all, Wii. we all got through our t- childhood with two buttons and a knob. Even, even the Wii hey, was now. a big success, right? <laughs> hey, settle down there, settle down. Let's keep this uh, G-rated. I'm talking Nintendo. <laughs> Because I'm about to say Wii, so I don't want you guys to go all buck wild on that, too. But uh, <laughs> the Nintendo Wii was uh, probably 10 years outdated hardware that came out and just gave the Xbox and gave the PS2, I think, at the time, uh, a run for its money. Because they had so many fun games on it. I have uh, one Nintendo, regular Nintendo cartridge that is here in my filing cabinet. 1991, the greatest game ever on Nintendo, Super Tecmo Bowl. <laughs> just in case somebody says, oh, man, I got an old Nintendo. I was like, you got Super Tecmo Bowl? And I say, no. I said, I'm coming over right now. And I'll be like, <sighs> blowing this baby out. We'll be playing. Ah, see, then you got to see my Nintendo room because I have an original Nintendo with over 250 uh, games ready to go. Whoa. Yeah, name it. I got it. That's pretty sweet. Do you have the uh, what, what was the, what's that most expensive game ever? The one that they had, they only had a few of them. Somebody brought it into Pawn Stars one time. You got that one? No, I don't know what you're talking about, but no, uh, it's like it was like <laughs> Olympics or something like that. Um, some crazy uh, thing that it, you only got it if you went to the Nintendo. Oh, the the Nintendo World Championship. That That's it was. It. I want a copy of that, like a, a, a scam copy, not an original because it's too expensive. But it's it's like Super Mario Brothers 3, Tetris, and another game. And you play each game for a certain period, and all three scores then are tallied up. Oh, that's cool. Do you have any, like, scammy cartridges where you know, like people have made their, their own ROM and built a cartridge? You know what? No, I haven't. But uh, there's a guy in a... Uh, some tiny speck of a town called Toronto, and yeah. uh, he actually you can you send him a cartridge and he'll load up other games on it for well, that's you. That's neat. That's neat. So tell us a bit more about the book, Craig. Yeah. Uh, so the, the you know and, and you were talking about the simplicity of the games and the hardware, and they really went through that and and talked about 
how what Nintendo had done, and, and you know, Nintendo made a lot of mistakes. Uh, for instance, the PlayStation was a joint development between Sony and Nintendo, and when they broke up uh, their joint development, Sony said, okay, we're going to put the PlayStation out anyways, and Nintendo pushed out the 64. And they talk about how later with the DS and the 3DS, they, they redid a lot of the original games like uh, Mario 64 and, and some of the other early Mario Brother games, but included storyline and levels that they didn't, the hardware couldn't handle at the time. Right. So they're never true duplicate duplications of the game. Right, right. See, about that time, it seems like Nintendo started getting great success with their handheld stuff. About the time that Sony was putting out handheld stuff that was bombing and losing money and and pretty much everything that Sony did. Well, yeah, you know, you know, but Sony was doing, like I said, they, they were coming out and saying, hey, it's got 218 megabytes of RAM and, you know, this and that and all that. And they were putting out crappy games and overpriced. Where Nintendo well, just said, here, it's fun. It's cheap. Yeah, and the, and the problem that PlayStation and Xbox ran into, and the book goes into this because it goes all the way up through the Wii, was... They started to build an everything machine, right? It, it plays your movies. It right. uh, you know does everything. And Nintendo said, no, we're going to build the game machine for, for casual gamers, the people that just want to sit down and play a game real quick. Because you, know, you look at the PlayStation whatever 3 and the Xbox 3 at the time, and not only did they do everything... But the, the same problem was the games to play, you had to commit an hour to, to really do anything. By, by the way, Craig, in the background, uh, I'm just playing <laughs> the Super Mario theme on ukulele by Sunga Jung. All and right, you... I was sitting here looking at my computer thinking, <laughs> what kind of pop-up can I not find? <laughs> I thought Java was trying to update. <laughs> but if you just uh, Google for Mario Brothers ukulele... Uh, you will either find uh, Obama's passport, which was signed <laughs> by ukulele, or you'll find Sungi Yung playing on the ukulele. And he's wonderful. <laughs> Young boy, he's like, looks like he's nine. Then again, he's, uh, he's an Asian dude. He could be 40. <laughs> Craig, have you started on anything else? What, what's, what's next up? Um, that's a good question. I have. I've been reading, uh, I've been reading a lot of uh, business books just because I've been going back to school. Uh, but so I've been reading up on my Kindle, uh, which uh, actually, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Um, kind of the guy that wrote it and came up with a theory had a couple of failed startups and then a successful uh, startup. And uh, it's, you know, it's not as boring as you would, as a business book should be. Because uh, I think what's, what's good about it is, and, and I'm only about halfway through, but he goes through real world examples rather than theoretical, theoretical, you know, he says, okay, let's, one of the ones he did was uh, Dropbox and goes through the actual story of how the Dropbox guys got to where they're at. Right. And uh, it makes it, makes it readable in my mind. Dropbox for me person. is like one of the first apps I put on any uh, handheld device or computers I own now. Did you see their price drop today? Uh, a terabyte for 10 bucks a month. Oh, wonderful. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, and now I'm like, boom, boom, shakalaka. <laughs> I think they're just matching up what Google's price and somebody else had. Uh, had yeah, Google deal. was already at that price. Well, just handy. I mean, it even uh, backs up my uh, 
I've got uh, pictures from my iPhones that I used to own, from my Android devices, and it's all in one big photos uh, folder in my Dropbox. I think it's really handy. Not to mention business-wise, just having... Like, I, I don't care if the place burns down, I still have my data. You know, so I'll, I'll still be really upset that the place burned down, but at least I'll have my data and my photos, right? That's and cool. the insurance what? money. Mm. What, are you, uh, what are you doing, uh, <laughs> Paul? Are you reading something? Or, what is this uh, insurance you speak of, Craig? <laughs> 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 I, I'm actually, I haven't read much uh, since our last uh, meeting. I've been a little bit busy. I did start Dog Boy, Danger on Liberty Pier by our good friend Bill Meeks from Meeks Mixed Media. Uh, narr- narrated by his friend Nathan Beattie. I have not had a chance to go through that yet. Uh, I'm in one of these months where I think I now have two or three Audible credits piled up, and I am going to have to take some of your recommendations this week and uh, see if they're on Audible. Uh, I've been reading a few things on the Kindle, which I don't have with me, so maybe I'll talk about them next week, but I've I'm really been light on the books lately. At least ones that I want to talk about on the show, because I want to bore everyone with... Uh, Stuff I didn't like. Well, uh, <laughs> whoa, whoa! Uh, thanks, Paul. I I've uh, been reading quite a bit. Hey, what have you been reading, <laughs> bud? <laughs> uh, um, I read one that was kind of corny. It was called Starship Grifters. Okay. It, it almost uh, it reminded me of like I was thinking a, about that the like a... movie. Science fiction. Yes, it was. Yeah, I, I don't typically like any book that was read by a woman. And uh, and don't feel bad about that because uh, uh, I was listening on talk radio here locally, and uh, one of our uh, talk radio hosts, I think it was Jerry Agar, that came on and said, "Hey, uh, you know, I don't like listening to women." And you know, and, and all the women that called in said, "Yeah, no, we don't like listening to women either. We want to hear men on the radio." There's something about the the cadence and the male voice that just seems to be more pleasing to people and. Uh, I prefer to listen, if it's a, a book about a woman, you know, where the actual subject is a woman, I'd rather hear a woman's voice, but I really would not want to go through the Dark Tower series with a woman reading it, and, uh, and I love women, and I respect them, and I think they're equals with us, but uh, I, I also would prefer to hear a male voice on the radio. Except Mike Tyson. Except Mike Tyson, and he's talking about his pigeons. Uh, okay, uh, the the book is by Robert <laughs> Croese, K R O E S E, and it was read by a woman named Kate Rudd. I don't like Are crows; you... I like pigeons. She was pretty good, and uh, uh, it's the first book read by a woman that I've gotten through in quite a long time. And you know, the, it's mostly male characters, and she did a pretty good job because the people have were had a lot of personality, and it was easy to discern who she was speaking as without a lot of that Kate said, Billy exclaimed, right. you know, when I get a book that's like that, boom, I just bingo, boom, shakalaka, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> so this one is about, uh, you know, it's set in space, and this guy, he's a grifter, you know, he's uh, out, he's like a smuggler, and he wins a planet in a card game. And he finds okay. out that, uh, it wasn't all it was cracked up to be, and the guy dumped the planet on him because because uh, there's a whole bunch of money owed against the planet, and he's trying to find a way to pay it back. And people are after him, and he's he's trying to you know connive people out of money this way and that. And he's uh, his companion is a female robot, and uh, ooh a fembot. Yes, the nice. fembots. Bring out the fembots. 
Yeah, his own electric Barbarella. So that was a good one. Um, I enjoyed that. Uh, and just today I finished uh, J.D. Salinger, the escape artist. Love Salinger. Not, another, uh, I guess a bunch of people have, have done you know, biographies of the man. It's on five discs, so it's only five and a half hours long. Um, performed by one of my new favorite audiobook readers, Grover Gardner. Grover Gardner. Yes, he enunciates words so deliciously, like <laughs> like a ripe orange, just with the juice flowing out. I don't know. Did a very good job, especially I guess with with this type of dry content. Hang on, which I one was that? Was that the 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 Hangman's daughter? Hang on, I'm trying to find it. Well, you know, it'd be an interesting uh, question to ask is. Was there has there been more written about Salinger than Salinger ever wrote himself at this point? Yeah, probably. And, I would have to say into, the answer is yes. They get into quite a bit of that. Uh, you know, they talk about the people who had have sold letters of where he corresponded with them and how he shut all these people out and how when he you know first moved to uh, Cornish, um, uh, he was outgoing, talked to everybody, was hanging out with all the high school kids. You know what I'm saying? And then he just sort of put up a bunch of fences and got away from everybody. But it was about this guy going back, you know, trying to find the apartment that he lived in and uh, talked about him in the war and, you know, him corresponding with a 15 year old girl that he met uh, on a vacation in Daytona beach. And Oh, Jimmy, I love her via letters. I, I just realized I'm just uh, consulting the book of knowledge. Yes. And uh, if you ever listen to the stand, it's a 47 hour audiobook worth it for a yes. credit and I, I just realized that was narrated by grover gardner yes he's brilliant oh well see there you go i guess i have good taste decent at least you do you do if you want to take a listen what was the you, other book you I really did pumped up grover one. gardner hang on jimmy you really pumped him up i want to hear a little clip of him i think we got to do that uh, i'm going to take the stand here the circle opens we need help the poet reckoned Edward Dorn. Sally. A mutter. Wake up now, Sally. A louder mutter. Let me alone. He shook her harder. Wake up. You got to wake up. Oh, he could totally take over as the uh, the, the trailer guy. Oh, his mu- his mutter was a mutter. <laughs> he could take over the, in in a world full of crime. Yeah, you know. <laughs> he's got he's got that going. Let's see where let's see, find another book. I loaned it to someone, but I took a picture of the case before I let it go. And I think it's, it's called Resurrection Inc. I know that's what it's called. Uh, I'll keep looking for the, the who it was that who it was that wrote it. But it, it's another futuristic book about uh, when people die. They They've, this company has a government contract to scoop up their bodies and turn them into uh, servants. Oh, interesting. And uh, about the guy who works there and, um, and go, puts them through this resurrection process where they get turned into servants. And yep. his boss is actually part, is like a human that's had a computer put into them so that they are constantly on the network. I, I am writing this one down now. It sounds interesting. It's by Kevin J. Anderson. Yes. That will be my next uh, audio read. 
I like that I'm always into future dystopia stuff like that. This uh, J.D. Salinger book has been sort of grounding, and maybe I'll take off in a new direction. I've got about five or six books out there to choose from. <coughs> so if Professor Allen's not here, if he, if he was, he would be the one talking about comic books. He would be. I, you know what? He would. I read, I read a comic book. Oh, so let's do this then. Comic books, comic books, comic books. Yes, it was uh, called Feynman, uh, oddly enough, about Richard Feynman in comic book form. Uh, Interesting. Who's yeah, Richard Feynman? I, physicist that uh, – hard to describe what he did, but uh, – Sounds like than, a fine man. Yeah, I think he did a lot of pot. He, did, he, won, he won the Nobel Prize uh, in physics. Uh, he helped build the bomb. He got naked. Mm. That pretty As much sums it up. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but no, you know, it's a, it's a good book because there's a lot of stuff out there about him. Uh, uh, in particular, the, the Feynman lectures on physics are always uh, popular and famous. Um, but uh, the, the the comic book does I think does justice in uh, the way it was written and and it you know it's interesting if you ever read Feynman's work or listen to Feynman he kind of has a a weird way about how he talks and he kind of jumps around and and repeats stuff a lot and the the book does a good job of kind of maintaining that so it it wasn't written by uh, Richard Feynman but uh, it was written by J- uh, Jim. Ottaviani and illustrated by Leland Merrick, but uh, they did a really good job of, uh, I think, capturing him uh, in comic book form, and and does quite a bit of his life, which is uh, you know always interesting. I think uh, he lived a long long life and interesting one. Kind of hoping to be a comic book on uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm just about Neil deGrasse Tyson out. Let me tell you. Are you? No, yes. you know what? I love what he, what he, him and uh, uh, Seth MacFarlane have done with Cosmos. They've really brought it back. I, I really yeah, hope that, that they. Things a little that. too fluffy and dumbed down. Yeah, I was going to say compared to the well, it's uh, original on Fox, one, guys, it's on Fox. Okay, it's. <laughs> let me put it this way: it's just way too popular to like him right now for me to even consider <laughs> liking him. Yeah. Maybe I liked him before everybody else liked him. Oh yeah, I used to. I used to like you <laughs> back in the day. Back in the, back and while, in the while we're on the topic of, uh, who he was. of a famous scientist, I'm sorry. Where's the video of uh, Stephen Hawking doing the ALS challenge? He's got ALS for Christ's sake. I want someone to dump a bucket of water on him. I, I saw something on Reddit <laughs> about him, and people are asking, you know, how come he isn't dead? He's had this ALS for so long, but he has some type of uh, like a different form. It's like uh, that children get. And right. Well, he he's a miracle in himself. I mean, he's still one of the world's top you know scientists, and he can move like parts of his tongue. You know what I mean? He could still write science, you know, scientific papers and and whatnot, and still be involved. It's uh, incredible the the mind that man has. Been married yeah, three I, times. I actually saw him in person uh, here in uh, Seattle one time. He had come to town for some science thing and gave a talk. Uh, and I was he's actually funny and interesting. I mean, he's been on The Simpsons a couple times and yeah. Futurama, so he's Big got bang. a good sense of humor. Yeah, Big Bang. Absolutely. 
While we're on comic books, Jimmy, uh, just going to point out that I'm looking at the eBay auction here. It's been sold. The world record, the finest known copy of the most sought-after comic book on planet Earth, a 1938 museum piece of Action Comics number 1, sold for $3,207,852 with 48 bids. The finest known copy? (laughs) No, I, I gotta say... The bid before that was $3,207,000 and $752, sorry. So, for 100 bucks, man, like you really let the, the, the auction go? That's where I draw the line. <laughs> like, your wife said, you're not spending any more than $3,207,752. Oh, come on, Francis. <laughs> nah, you know, it was somebody that didn't even have the money, and they looked at it, and they said, holy crap, that's it. Comma, not a period. <laughs> right. It was a shill bitter. <laughs> we finally pushed it up. Well, I mean, that... I don't know why maybe I'm crazy, but that sounds cheap to me. Well, yeah, no, it's, it's low. I mean, I, cause that is the, the, you know, probably the most famous superhero uh, that started the whole superhero trend. Yeah, and well, you think I, what, I, like, Todd McFarlane paid for a baseball that was hit over right. the fence. Well, it's, it's worth well, more than my favorite comic book in my collection, which is Dishman whose superpower consists of being able to wave his hands and clean the dishes. <laughs> I tell you what, he'd probably get a lot of, lot of uh, chicks. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm coming over, baby. I hope they're piled high. Oh, I wish Professor Allen was here, because there's probably a lot more uh, comic book news we don't know. But I know The Flash is coming out in, uh, in fall, uh, the yeah. TV series. We'll see if it's more interesting than last time. They did nothing in the 80s. Is the Flash the one that That's they're turning into a black gay guy now? <laughs> no, no. That's Spider-Man. Oh, is it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> is, is he black and gay or just gay? Yes, he's, he's black and gay. Yes. <laughs> he's from an alternate universe, and he will be meeting Ultimate uh, Spider-Man in the uh, animated series this year as well. So, kind of interesting. Are they going to have Black Gay Spider-Man 2099? Hey, what's more far-fetched, a black gay superhero or a black gay superhero who has the power of a spider? Really? Yeah, I'm on board. That was the last comic book that I I bought was Spider-Man 2099. Wasn't Bishop gay? Probably. (laughs) So so we've had a a black gay superhero in the past. No, is it Captain America that that they're redoing as well? Uh, Yeah, there's a Falcon. His, one of his uh, cohorts is becoming uh, Captain America. And I'm sure that Captain America is, is going to stay dead forever, right? Because people don't come back from uh, the dead. No. Well, actually, Captain America has already come back from the dead a few times. But. Well, sometimes they come back from the dead and become servants. There's a company that collects the bodies. Right. Hey, now. <laughs> Callbacks. Hey, now. <laughs> hey, we got some book news, too, guys. We've been pushing for this for probably two or three years. And the good old US of A is the first one to take up our call. Uh, and I'm adamant about this. I, I Right now, I, I use my Android Google Play uh, subscription. I pay 9 bucks a month in Canada. And I can listen to any damn song I want, anytime I want. Add it to my library. Uh, great features. I refuse to buy digital music unless I can give it to someone after I die. And... The great state of Delaware enacts a new law on digital assets inheritance. Say that three times fast. Delaware. Uh, 
Last mm-hmm. week, the Delaware State of Representatives passed House Bill 345 that regulates digital legacy matters and gives families the permission to access their relatives' digital assets in the event of a death or incapacitation. Uh, the pur- purpose of this le- legislation is to assist in protecting Delaware residents who have Bitcoin, Litecoin, Dogecoin, and other virtual, virtual cor- currency holdings, but it also extends to any other digital property. But uh, I guess Delaware figured that, well, it's not just songs and videos and, you know, uh, you know uh, books, but some people have digital money, and we have to find a way to keep this money from, you know, disappearing from the economy. So your Dogecoin, your, uh, your Bitcoin and whatnot, your family, your heir, will now be able to access that, unless you put it on a thumb drive and bury it in the backyard. So can, can we break this down into the, what the truth of it is? It has nothing to do with helping uh, Sir Jimmy's children inherit his uh, 1980s MP3 collection. It's actually so they can tax him on it. Oh, absolutely. Don't get me wrong. Uh, the, the primary purpose was probably to tax him on the, his Dogecoin and, and making sure that Bitcoin didn't disappear because, you know, Sir Jimmy gives money to a guy in uh, Frankfurt, Germany and buys Bitcoin. Now, that's currency that's going to disappear because, uh, you know, the Bitcoin is in a wallet somewhere on his uh, computer and it's going to go away. But uh, I got to say that it, it really, if, if, if uh, Ontario here in Canada enacted a law like this, I would be more enticed to say... Uh, you know, log into my iTunes or Android account or Google Play account and say, um, here are my heirs in this order. And I would be more inclined to buy digital property. I, I'd pay five bucks for that movie if I knew that upon my passing, one of my heirs would get it. Because right now, as it stands, my iTunes library, I don't use it anymore. I've, I've transferred it to my Google Play library. And I know that all the digital crap I own is going to be gone when I die, and what a waste of money. Ah, but, but think of it from a philosophical standpoint. How many children of privilege that have inherited everything that they own are good people? Hey. So maybe having more digital stuff that disappears when you die isn't that bad of an idea. No, no. No, all those books that have been handed down from generation to generation and uh, records and, uh, you know... Cassette tapes, VHS tapes, and, and stuff. Well, but think, how much did you enjoy the first time you read your favorite book? Now imagine three generations, how much they'll enjoy writing that book for the first time. <laughs> no, but you, know, but you know what, Craig? Like, uh, yeah, you know, VHS is gone. Like, I can give that to kids today, and they would just throw a chuck it in the garbage, chuck it in the recycle bin. But with a digital format, that copy of, um, you know, uh, Catcher in the Rye will be exactly the same to that kid, uh, and it'll, it'll probably play on whatever uh, device they have in 50 years from now, and it still has worth, because you're probably still going to have to, you know, uh, pay for the, you know, the Dark Tower series or, or whatever you're, you're reading, right? So it, it's, it's, it actually has more worth, I think, no. than the, you know, no. the physical L- music. Less, less worth, because, so it may be digital, but you still have to have a format that you can read it in and play it on. What are the odds that it's going to be the same. I mean... Well, the odds are pretty good. I mean, when, when uh, digital music started, it was the MP3 format, and we really haven't changed from that. Uh, most digital players will play MP3, but good luck ha- handing your son a cassette tape. Well, he'll look exactly. At, he'll, that, he'll, but he'll that's look the point. Like a, that's, like a you're looking at, you're looking a, at a generational 
device like a cassette tape and then pointing to an MP3 that's only been around for half a generation and yeah. saying, hey, this is better than what the old people had because it's from my generation. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, Greg, but, you know, uh, Craig, the, the MP3 I had 20 years ago will still play on an, uh, on an iPhone 7, whereas the, the cassette tape I had 20 years ago, uh, young kids will look at it like a dog staring at a book. They'll have no idea what they're looking at. Right, what but when, get, my, when my grandfather was your age, the record he had would play age. on any record player that was out today, but the cylindrical records from his grandfather Well, they probably play. melted because they were made of wax. Well, but, but that's my point, <laughs> is you're looking at your generation saying, hey, what my generation built today is going to last forever. And what I'm saying is you're wrong. You don't have the perspective yet. Well, but we also have the digital uh, uh, means of manipulation, right? I mean... Even if 10 years from now, MP3 is gone, someone's going to write a little program that'll, you know, point it at a folder. It'll convert all the MP3s into MP9s, whereas you can't just dump your cassette tapes into a box and they turn into, you know, holographic discs from the future. Well, my thinking is if I have the 8-track of Rush from the 70s right. and, I, and I paid money for that and I own it, I should legally be able to go on the pirate bay and download digital copies of all that because Absolutely. i own the right to, to play this song but the means to play it is uh is no longer available absolutely i agree well but now if you think about mini disc was a digital format proprietary digital format mind you right. but you can't get a modern uh player on a computer to play that format anymore right. well, that's a physical format right no, it's a digital format on a physical medium, and that's what I'm telling you. If you your, well, this your is why digital we, we files keep saying. DRM sucks. In the, they're they're on a physical format somewhere, right? That's what we keep saying. DRM is basically the, the the media industry shooting itself in the head, not the foot, the head. Well, but I'm saying even the hardware. You're you're still. I mean, at at some level, you still have to be able to read the hard drive the hard drive that it's written on, and if the right. hard drive format changes. Or we go from, uh, you know, optically or magnetic resonance into uh, bits on um, molecules, uh, you know, manipulation of molecules. Well, now suddenly that old hard drive with all your music files on it isn't readable by anybody. Right. By anybody. I mean, I, I'm just I, saying, as we go along, wait. there are ways to convert. I mean, yeah, of course, you can't you can dig up a hard drive from 2014 and use it in 3014. But yeah, I've got a scuzzy one. But, but if you hand that yeah. to your kid and, and you know, if, if you keep converting that digital file over to new hardware, the file itself is still playable. Now, what about right. a so, new, so new here, company like Napster? Well, you take all your cassette tapes, everything that you've got, your CDs, your records, and you mail them to this company. And they take them and for a fee, you know, a processing fee, whatever, boom, you can download all of that music from them. Oh. Is it boom? Boom. <laughs> All right. So, so here you go, Paul. Here's an example. NASA has a set of data from the 60s from uh, the Viking probes that they can't read because nobody knows what format it was written in and the people that wrote it are all dead. Right. So they have a wealth of digital data that they, that they can read the ones in the zeros, but they have zero clue how to interpret that into any usable information 
because it's gone. So it's the same thing on your Kindle books, your MP3s. Yeah, that could all you know, go I'm gonna away. Take, I'm going to take your exact example and, and say that, yeah, but uh, hang on. Let me just, uh, on my Mac here. Um, yeah, but it's live in the woods, I tell let's my say, son. Let's say 1963 <laughs> and uh, this was recorded on film, broadcast live. To people who did not have VCRs, the VCR was not invented yet, and yet somehow, um, here it is. You know, uh, the, the first episode of Doctor Who, uh, it's still out there, it's on digital format, and I'm sure that in a uh, hundred years it'll still be there somewhere, in digital. Uh, it just has to go into a format that can be converted. As long as somebody is continuously doing that. Well, yeah, Absolutely. I'm, I'm, there's probably a lot of shows uh, you know, that aired on the same day in 1963 that have disappeared. But uh, I guess as human beings, we choose what you know, continues and what doesn't. <laughs> At some point, someone's going to go, I'm not covering that to M- you know, MPEG. You know? Well, Dvorak's and, going through right now, and, and with somebody's help, he's taking a bunch of old Red Fox records and turning those into MP3. We'll see. And, and there you go. Someone took the effort, and he's converting it, and it's probably going to survive for you know, another 50, 60 years. And if, if there's no interest in 100 years from now, then poof. And let, yeah. let's think about Mozart, Chopin. It's, it's all still here. You know, it was, uh, there's still recordings from a long time ago. There's wax cylinders. There's still... Geez. There's very few live recordings you know. from Mozart's time. But I'm sure there was a guy somewhere, you know, like Hubert Gunther from the same year that Mozart was doing his symphonies, uh, this shit's gone, <laughs> you know. No one converted that. No one kept those because uh, it crap. So, uh, really, the I guess the the cream of the crop survives throughout, you know, the eons. And I'm sure there was a lot of music back in those days. And what we know as classical is, you know, limited to what survived because people like Dvorak taking time to record his stuff, uh, you know, took the time and effort to do it. And like, uh, this is why I applaud Google with their whole book effort. Although, you know, a lot of authors and publishers are pissed off at them. But I think the, their whole project with uh, saving and digitizing old books is, is a great idea. Well, you had to go and make the show explicit. Oh, did I say poop? I did. Yes. <laughs> it's okay. You can say uh, shit once or twice. It's Beep. not explicit. That's true. I guess you, they get away with it on uh, TV now, anything That's after 10 right. o'clock. Come on. I didn't say the F word or anything. No, no. Speaking of TV, have you guys watched BoJack Horseman yet on Netflix? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, Is that the one with the women in prison? No, he's a horse. He, he's a, he's, a, uh, he's a, basically a horse actor from the 90s in a world where animals and, and humans coexist. And uh, it's him, uh, Alison Brie from Community Ooh, and hey. Mad Men. And uh, what's his name? Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad is yeah. the... Uh, you know, good for nothing roommate, and uh, just Will Arnett as a heart, as a horse. He's brilliant. I <laughs> hmm, say so we've got not one episode of Downton Abbey left, and then we're going to have to find something else to watch. Yeah, not for children, uh, Jimmy. Keep the kids out of the room. We we tend to. He is the yeah, don't let them watch Downton yeah. Abbey too. You don't want to give them ideas. He's the cocaine no, snorting horse. Sake. Okay, it's not. This is not a Netflix animated for children. It's not in their kids section. <laughs> Well, that's that's a, that's a pretty good uh, show there. There you go. Bingo, boom, 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 boom. 
We have to get back together and do this again, you guys. Yeah, probably at another point. Why not? Is it time to hit that jingle, Jimmy? Yeah, I guess so, unless anybody's got anything uh, tantalizing. No? Fantastic. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Craig. Thank you yep. for having me. Yes, it was. Uh, I, my hosting duties are really taking a toll on my free time, but it's all worth it in the end. Well, the good thing is you said duties. I said shit. <laughs> all right. <laughs> See you next week, folks. Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. Book Guide Show will return next week. Same book time, same book channel. Big dingo, boom, boom, chakalaka, boom, 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 chakalaka, boom, boom.